I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. Far too many cases go unsolved due to a lack of evidence left at the crime scene. Despite many technological advancements throughout the years, collecting DNA is not always as easy as it appears on television. However, one company has developed breakthrough forensic technology that is helping law enforcement bring answers to unsolved crimes. The MVAC is a high-powered wet vacuum that is able to pull DNA from rough and porous surfaces that are normally difficult to extract evidence from. Police agencies in various states across the nation are now adopting the technology. Thanks to the MVAC and its collection services, decades-old cold cases have now been closed, with justice delivered for numerous victims. Jared Bradley is the president and CEO of MVAC Systems and host of the All Things Crime podcast. Today, he joins me with an inside look at this revolutionary technology and shares the ways in which the MVAC has brought closure for many families. Jared, I'm so grateful to have you here today. So help explain to listeners the science behind the MVAC and how exactly that technology works. I appreciate you having me on, Emily. It's an honor. And yeah, the MVAC is essentially a DNA collection system that's it's wet vacuum based. So just like a carpet cleaner is the best way that I have to explain it. So it sprays a sterile solution down onto the surface. What So if you're looking for blood or touch DNA or saliva, whatever you're looking for on, and it doesn't really matter what kind of a, a surface it's on, it sprays that solution and vacuums at the same time. So it creates a little mini hurricane down on the surface. And that enables the DNA material, like, you know, the skin cells to break up and, and break off of whatever surface it's on. And then it gets collected into a bottle. And then it's uh, the second stage is actually you concentrate it onto a filter. And that filter is what you send to the lab. And it's they process it essentially the same way they do a swab. And there's no possibility for in that little mini hurricane that it erodes the actual material? Because when I think of cold cases, you know, I picture sort of rotting evidence. I I picture things that are decades old. I I picture um, very delicate physical objects or items or scraps of clothing or the like. So can you sort of explain what sounds like a ferocious technology that is clearly, however, (laughs) very delicate in nature? Yeah, well, whatever surface, when you're when you're talking decades old clothing and things like that, that might be falling apart, you know, that that might pose some problems. But most of the cases that have been successful with the MVAC in the past, and it includes a cold case as, as old as 56 years, uh, where the evidence was just sitting in the evidence room for 56 years, and we, we got a positive profile off of that. You know, it, it might collect... Some of the material, like the you know the clothing that's kind of falling apart, but a, a lot of times, if the evidence is stored properly, then that won't happen. And you know, DNA itself and cellular material itself is is actually fairly resilient. So we're not looking for DNA that's like broken out of the cell, which is called free DNA. Uh, we're looking for cellular DNA. So once it's encapsulated inside of the cell and, and it's inside the nucleus. It's actually fairly robust, and as long as it's in a cool, dry place, it'll last. It'll last a long time. 
So tell us about then some of the challenges of DNA collection, because I often hear um, about how vulnerable DNA is clearly not in the form that you just described, but how, you know, it's almost rare or very difficult to actually extract usable DNA for those reasons. So can you sort of dive into why DNA collection is normally so difficult? Sure. Well, number one, DNA, because it's microscopic, it's it's so hard to, to see. Now, let me throw a little caveat out there. As far as our system goes, um, if you can visibly see the stain, like a, a blood stain or even saliva that's luminescing, and there's a lot there, you know, they can collect it with the with a swab and get get a pretty good profile. But when you're talking minute amounts, especially touch DNA, which doesn't luminesce, then the biggest problem is just finding where it's actually deposited. So our system is able to cover a little a wider area. And, and like what I described at the very beginning, it can get deeper into the little nooks and crannies of where that DNA material might be. The, the second part of it is, depending on the surface that, that it's on, um, if it's a rock or a brick, uh, cement like a sidewalk, a lot of times when the investigator is trying to collect that DNA, it just tears a swab up. And anybody that has any kind of investigative experience has seen this, where you know, you're know you rubbing the swab over the top of a rock, for example. You can actually see the blood stain, but you can't get to it because it just tears a swab up. Those are the scenarios where the MVAC is the most beneficial because, again, it sprays the vac and vacuums at the same time. So you don't have that, that problem of the swab material falling apart. What was your background? How did you stumble upon or create this amazing technology that really, um, that knows so well, not only the value of the collection, but how incredible the collection itself is? Well, I was fortunate enough to have a really smart dad (laughs) and (laughs) He was a microbiologist, and back in uh, 1993, they had a big E. coli outbreak, and that's kind of how the MVAC started, that some tainted meat got into the food system and uh, even killed, uh, I think, six children. Uh, And so that really bothered my dad, and he started analyzing the problem, realized that collection, the front-end collection, was kind of the weak point. And so once once he identified that, then he he kind of migrated into, well, how do I isolate and how do I get more aggressive in being able to cover more surface area as well as get deeper? And that's when he, he actually invented the MVAC. And so he brought me on because I have a sales and a military background and two areas that he needed to, because uh, we also looked at military applications. And um, yeah, so I just kind of was fortunate enough that I had a really smart dad and I wish he'd passed more of that down to me. But the good news is the system itself, even though it was initially designed for the food industry, uh, the, a cell is a cell. And so whether it's an E. coli cell or an anthrax cell or uh, a skin cell, the collection method is all the same. And so we actually didn't have to change anything when we pivoted into forensics. And we, we did that in 2012, and that's where we've been ever since. Well, obviously, you guys make a great team, and the hallmark of a good team is each one refusing to take um, any type of, you know, um, acknowledgement of of their own over the other. So I can tell you guys are a great team. Um, so you've been doing this now for over ten years. So the question is, how 
Have you um, been able to partner with law enforcement agencies? Has it been easy to integrate that technology? What challenges do you face when you're trying to do this? Because obviously this is an incredible technology. So, you know, I, I assume as always, usually the, the biggest challenge is budget or awareness. But I'd love to hear, and I know listeners would love to hear how this is working, where it's working, and why and how it is not working in certain places so that we can remedy that. Wow, I don't think we have enough time on the show for all of that, but <laughs> you, you you nailed it with awareness and budget. And um, first started talking to crime labs and, and law enforcement agencies about this. Um, pretty much all we had w- data-wise was one uh, small study, and then most of the rest of it was just food, you know, the data from the food industry. And so uh, the, the, the critical thing about investigators is, when they're when they're looking at their particular case, there's no case that's more important to them. So they're they're looking at our our technology and they're like, well, you know, it sounds great, but I'm not going to be the first one to experiment on my case with you know technology that is not proven. So we had to go to lots of um, universities like Boston University, UC Davis, Cedar Crest, uh, some of these really big universities that have great forensics programs. And they produced a, a bunch of data for us. Fortunately, at the same time, uh, the the labs that, well, the, the lab that first tested our system, um, and they, they had phenomenal recoveries as well, they started reaching out to a couple of agencies that they knew had cold cases that they had tried everything. And one of them in particular was a case called, uh, the victim's name was Crystal Vizlanovich. And she was murdered with, uh, she was bludgeoned to death with some river rocks and they were granite. And it's kind of hard to visualize, but granite rocks are really rough and they have sharp edges and they had tried swabbing those and, and hadn't gotten much of anything. So the, the lab knew and reached out to them with this understanding that if we, we have this new technology, if you want to try it on this case that we've tried everything else, then what do we have to lose kind of thing. And lo and behold, they got 42 times more DNA recovery than what they needed to produce a a good profile. So that case kind of launched us into the national spotlight. And the upkeep has has been kind of, or the uptake, I guess, has been kind of slow, but there's a lot of people that have have tried the system. And uh, initially they, they typically try it on the, the really difficult cases, the cases that they've tried swabbing multiple times, they've tried, you know, other methods and just haven't got a good profile. And maybe they're at a dead end. They're waiting just for new technology like us to come along. And, and then once it does, they try it. And we've had, we've had some pretty amazing successes from that. We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. So talk to us about costs, because when you hear something like this that is so exponentially more helpful and effective, then, you know, it's like, no brainer. Okay, great. So is this twice as expensive as the current technology? Is it four times? Is it, you know, in the long run, when you look at something holistically, any efficiency is better for you in cost. And you can say, well, this, you know, is far outweighed in cost by the millions of appeals or the human cost of unjust prosecutions of the innocent, right? This is this is exonerating and it's also identifying, right? So you can argue all that, but in terms of just dollars and cents, 
What are we looking at mm-hmm. here? Well, it's if you exclusively look at it, the MVAC sample versus a swab sample, it's it's magnitudes more expensive. But you would expect that, you know, a swab is just basically a, a sterile Q-tip, whereas the MVAC is an actual machine. It's actually applying multiple forces onto the surface, and it's much more aggressive. So the the benefit, the true benefit of the MVAC is like what you said. You're solving cases that you can't solve any other any other way. Uh, there's been a couple of exonerations where the MVAC has helped. Uh, we've worked with like the Innocent Project and a couple of people have been released from prison because of the, the MVAC and what it was able to do. But I think, I think the biggest benefit is actually being able to solve cases and the victims finally getting justice, which is huge, not just for the victim and the victim's family, but also the community. But in addition to that, when you solve like a cold case, um, there's been some research done and, and the, the cost in man hours, additional testing, all of that kind of stuff to every cold case, every time they pull it off the shelf and have to reevaluate it and look at it, you know, it's, it's the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars. So there's, there's costs that are coming from everywhere. So if you just look at it in a silo, yeah, it's not very cost effective, but if you look at it on the overall picture to the, not just the investigation, but to the community as whole and more importantly, to the victim and the victim's family, that cost is pretty minimal. Right. And so who needs to hear that message? Have you testified in front of Congress? Are you at law enforcement conferences where decision makers or, you know, budget approval decision makers are there? Like, we get this, but who needs to hear this further for this technology to be adopted in a more widespread way? Well, it is being it, it is being adopted at a, at a more and more rapid rate. So uh, we go to tons of conferences. Again, I the podcast, All Things Crime, that I started is primarily aimed at law enforcement and, and engaging people that are part of the investigative community that uh, may also be able to use the system. But we're, we're at a point now where it's really fortunate that we know of all sorts of conversations happening all over the country where we're not there, we're not actually pushing it. So if people are, are talking about a particular case, another investigator from a different community might say, hey, you know what, you might want to try the MBAC on that. So the word is getting out. And the investigative community by itself, and not, not just forensics, but law enforcement, and even crime labs, you know, it's a fairly small community, and they're, they're really tight knit, and word gets out. And so that is definitely happening. But of course, coming on shows like yours and helping get the get the word out there, like CrimeCon, where we met, those kind of uh, platforms are amazing because tons of people know about different cases. They know kind of where the status of those cases are. And if they learn about new technologies, then they'll, they can take those technologies back to their, their law enforcement. And some of them have relationships with detectives and people like that. They can say, hey, have you ever heard of this? technology? What do you think about it? Would it be useful on this case? So the the population at large are amazing as far as bringing resources together and, and getting ideas and bringing those to law enforcement because nobody operates in a, in a vacuum. And it's always awesome to get ideas from outside of your bubble. And then uh, when you incorporate those ideas, they, they become magic and you can, you can do great things by, by doing that. I love hearing that. That is so heartening and reassuring and fantastic. 
Um, And it makes me think of a lot of different cases where you sort of hear yes of the sheriff that says, I was just at this conference and, you know, while there was informed of XYZ resource and then we deployed it on this cold case and then cut to it solved, you know. So absolutely um, hats off to everyone in this industry that are constantly seeking better technology and to your point, communicating it with others. That is fantastic um, because all boats rise with a lifted tide. Or however that saying goes. Um, so let's start talking about a few specific applications, which you, you mentioned two earlier. Um, one one cold case in particular, it's my understanding, um, it was a 16-year-old victim named Sharon Schollmeyers, and she was found dead in a bathtub at her apartment in 1977. The cause of death mm-hmm. at the time was ruled strangulation, but no suspect was arrested for her death for four decades. Can you tell me a little bit about that case um, and how the MVAC was used there? Yeah, that was a really interesting case. Uh, She was living in downtown Salt Lake City uh, in an apartment building, and uh, she didn't show up for work one day. So her boss called her mom and said, hey, Sharon's usually really good at uh, being on time for work. You may want to go check on her. So her mom went to the apartment, had the apartment manager let her into the apartment. She searched around, found her daughter, uh, deceased in the, the bathtub, and she was, she was face down, and she was blindfolded and gagged. And um, yeah, what a horrible uh, way for a mother to find a daughter. But then, you know, the, the apartment manager actually called 911, stayed there to give a, a statement and everything. And then they looked at this case multiple times. Like you said, the, the apartment was, it was interesting. It, there were clothes that were kind of thrown about, but nothing was really missing. It was just messy. And they were, it, it was like staged. And so nothing really looked right. But the bottom line is it, it went cold and it was cold for almost 39 years. So you fast forward to four or five years ago, a cold case detective was looking at the evidence and realized that the blindfold and the gag, when they pulled them off of Sharon's head, they didn't untie them. And these detectives knew about the MVAC. And so they thought, you know what? why don't we untie these knots and MVAC the ends of them? So, you know, when, you, when you're tying your shoe or you're tying a knot in something, you, you grab onto the ends of that pretty fairly or pretty uh, strongly. And that's basically what this guy did. And as they were untying the knots, they MVAC the ends of the, of the, the gags, basically, and they got a great profile. And as it turned out, it was the apartment manager. So he was this 19-year-old kid that was just lusting after her, and he had used his apartment key to break into her apartment, uh, raped her, and then realized once he was done raping her, he realized she recognized him, and so that's when he um, he decided to kill her. So, But yeah, the, the guts on this kid to, to then just go to work the next morning like nothing had happened and actually let the mom into her apartment knowing that she was going to find her daughter and then stay there and give a statement to the police and everything. Wow. Just cold blooded. So yeah, that that was a, that was an amazing case to help solve. That really is. And what I love about that case too, is it illustrates how every person along the chain, you know, did the best thing, did the right thing, all the problem solving techniques and using the, the best things at that time, including 
preserving the evidence in the correct way. You know, it's like people in the past are are looking to the future and saying someday we'll get there. Talk to me a little bit about certain protocols and policies within law enforcement agencies uh, deem that if DNA has been tested, it can't be retested. Are there any challenges that you face with logistics in that way? We've talked about sort of the mechanics, the X's and O's of pulling the DNA and whatnot, but what things have you run into where people will not recollect or attempt to recollect because existing has already been collected? Do, do you run into anything like that? Sometimes, you know, the biggest thing is a lot of people, once they have tried DNA testing in, in some way, um, and if they don't know about the MVAC, then uh, they just kind of look at the lab as the only place where advancements can happen, which is, I mean, the, the lab technologies by themselves have increased. Uh, it's just amazing what they can do now. But if somebody hasn't tested something in the last five or six years, they should probably look at it again. And especially if it's on any kind of a porous surface, even after swabbing, in fact, the University of Chicago did a study that showed that they lose between 60 and 80% of whatever DNA material is deposited on the, on the original uh, evidence. They lose between 60 and 80% of that between the evidence and the lab. So where that disconnect is exactly, we're not exactly sure, but based on the number of cases that have been swabbed previously and then mvac later and still got a really good profile. Um, and the FBI tested the, uh, the MVAC versus swabbing as well and did that exact test. And they, they showed that the MVAC, even after swabbing, can collect up to 66 times more than what the swab originally did. So anybody that has a piece of evidence that's been swabbed, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not enough DNA material left on there to, to MVAC it, especially. And you might even be able to swab it and, and with the increases in lab technology, be able to get a good profile. But I'm not sure I'd risk that, if, especially if it's on a, on a rough or a poor surface. I would MVAC it. And then that, that's going to be your best shot at, at getting a good profile. And it's happened over and over. I have a very basic, likely dumb question. So bear with me on it. Is the, Bring it. Is the goal... Because I'm literally pick your, I'm pick, I'm picturing the the little shark vacuum I have in my office upstairs, and I I doubt that it's that. But um, so is the goal to have like one in every law enforcement you know agency, or is it that to train? Because obviously it takes a, a massive skill set to do it correctly. Um, that to train enough, or to have in every department someone is trained in that collection. Because I'm picturing the logistical costs of you know, let's say if you have a few labs across the country that specialize in this, I'm picturing you know if a, a very rural department, you know, they should have access to. So how does that work? How does the actual deployment of this technology work? And how would, what would your goal be for increasing the value of, or the efficiency or robustness or whatever of that? Oh, no, that's a, that's actually a great question because there's 18,000 law enforcement agencies across the country. And out of all of those, I'd say maybe two to 3,000 of them are legitimate targets that, that should have their own MVAC system. Um, obviously, every crime lab should probably have one because they service so many agencies and they they service the prosecution and the defense. So depending on who who would actually want it uh, or want the MVAC testing, then they should be able to provide it. The bigger agencies 
a lot of them are buying multiple systems just because of how many the population that they cover. But you know, the kind of the cutoff that we look at is between 150 to 200,000 population that that a law enforcement agency will serve. They probably have enough crime that would justify a, a you know the capital investment into a system like ours. But if it's bigger than like 250,000, absolutely, especially a county and and even city governments that uh, or city law enforcement agencies that uh, the service 250,000 or more, which is again, a couple of thousand of them across the country. They, they, they not only have the budget, but they also have the need. So an, another case I wanted to ask you about, this is the, the cold case murder of a 12 year old Lisa Mitchell Jackson in Montgomery County, Texas. What can you tell us about how the MVAC was used there? Yeah, this one's just a heart wrencher. Mm. Um, well, they all are, but this one, I actually had the opportunity to actually walk down there and and walk to the crime scene. And man, it, it was, yeah, this was a, a brutal one, primarily because she was swimming in a, a, a kind of a, a little lake about 300 meters from her house. So just right there next to her home. And her two older brothers were with her. And the, the older brothers decided they were done. And so... Uh, they started walking home and she was like, oh, I'm going to swim a little longer. And it, it was just minutes after the brothers had left and uh, this guy kidnapped her basically and uh, raced. They threw her in a, in a, or he threw her in a truck and um, almost hit the brothers on the way out of the neighborhood. And so little did these, these poor brothers know that their little sister was actually in this truck with it with this uh, just animal of a guy. And then just a few miles away, they found her like six days later and she had been, you know, raped and, and murdered. Yeah. That was uh, just a, just a heartbreaking case. But the, the, the way the MVAC was actually able to solve it was uh, it was because again, because it was able to get down into the fibers of her t-shirt uh, and her swimsuit. That's how they collected this guy's DNA where they couldn't get it. And, Believe me, the, the CSI that had uh, worked on this case before, she she was describing to me how she had swabbed, how aggressively she had tried to collect any DNA other than Lisa's uh, off of her T-shirt that she was wearing and literally took two days and swabbed every inch of that uh, of that T-shirt and couldn't get enough. And yet the MVAC was able to get it even after all of that. So that that's another case where it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's just brutal as far as looking at how could you, how could anybody, you know, do that kind of evil to this poor little 12 year old girl. But the fact that they were able to solve it even 40 years later, 43 years later, uh, is, is just awesome. So yeah, we're really proud of that case too. It's incredible, really incredible. And again, it goes to the painstaking nature of everyone who touches the evidence. And then finally, decades later, thanks to the technology you and your dad developed, here we go. Finally, some closure and hopefully some justice. And it reminds me too, you know, when you talk about how the, the brothers just left for a moment to go back home, it was right close to the house. You remember just recently, Charlotte Cena, who she just said, oh, I'm going to bike ride one more time by myself around the camping the campground loop. 
and she was kidnapped and her family was so close by and all the kids she was biking with were so close by. Thankfully, she was returned safe and sound thanks to the good work of law enforcement um, who rescued her. But again, it, it's, it's a blink of an eye that can lead to some of these heinous crimes. Jared, thank you so much. This has been such a fascinating conversation. I love learning about this stuff and it gives me such hope for our present and our future and all of those families of cold case victims who are just crossing their fingers and praying that one day they will receive the answers that they've been searching for. Um, Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners before we close? Oh, it's just been such an honor, Emily. I'm a huge fan and I, (laughs) I really appreciate you having me on. And if anybody wants more information, they can go uh, to our website. It's m-vac.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. It's MVAC Systems. Uh, and if you want to learn more about some of the cases that we've, we've solved and, and how it interacts with uh, the different law enforcement agencies, then uh, definitely uh, give my podcast, All Things Crime, a listen. To hear more stories like this, You can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com.